turn please to Acts chapter 17. Verses 30 and 31 read as follows. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, Bene commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Now today, well, and not only today, but it seems forever, we are bombarded with all sorts of predictions. All sorts from the economy and how the economy will perform or not perform, the environment, the, uh, the COVID, and I wonder how many of them are just empty words. I want to read to you, if I may, uh, this is from the English churchman a couple of uh, months ago, and uh, it's all a bit to do with predictions and prophecies. In the 1960s, there was a book called The Population Bomb, and that said that millions and millions of people would die on the earth due to overpopulation. They go on to say the author would have been more accurate if he had predicted that millions would die from abortion. That's between 40 and 50 million per year, according to the World Health Organization. In the 1970s, we were told there was a cooling of the earth. And even the National Geographic magazine ran a cover story, The Coming Ice Age. 1975. The New York Times ran a story on the 5th of January 1978 that there was no end in sight to 30-year cooling trend in the Northern Hemisphere. In the 1980s, we were told that acid rain was going to destroy much of civilization. National Geographic ran with that story in November 1981. Later, we were told that the ozone was deteriorating due to modern technology. Then has come, of course, the great shift to global warming. In, on Monday, 26th of September, 1988, the Canberra Times, writing from Marley in the Maldives, ran a story predicting that rising sea levels were threatening to completely cover this Indian Ocean island of 1,196 islands within the next 30 years, according to the authorities. And I think if you were to take a, a trip there today, you'd still see the Maldives above the waves. And now, on March the 20th, this is very, March the 20th, 2000, we have a, the Independent, of course so reliable, ran a story uh, authored by Charles Onions, with this sensationist headline, Snowfalls are just a thing of the past. So, there we are. His opening line, Britain's winter ends tomorrow with further indications of striking environmental change. Snow is starting to disappear from our lives. Well, I would suggest if people in Scotland might disagree with him, and people in Northern England as well. And even 
we have known, I think we have had snow in this area since 2000. And one more, US, or former US Vice President Al Gore foretold, this is in 2008, how the North Polar Ice Camp will completely go ice-free in five years. Well, I know there is a problem there, but I think there's still some ice up around the North Pole. Maybe only just for a little while, according to Mr. Gore. But you see what I mean? Now, these are the gurus that come on the news and up on the television and in the papers, and everybody just soaks it all in. And I was reading the other day, actually, I'm reading a book on the Wars of the Roses. And um, they, were, they were actually saying there, hey, they were in the middle 1450s, they were coming at a period, a period of really real warming of the country, and were going to what became known as the Little Ice Age, which lasted nearly 200 years. That's when the Thames would freeze over. And so you wonder why... I personally, I'm a bit sceptical on all these modern prophets and prophetesses. And of course, some people will look in the paper, won't they? What star sign, and this is a rhetorical question, I don't want an answer. What star sign are you born under? I'll look it up, and you're going to meet someone tall, dark, and handsome. Well, let's be honest, when it's written, I don't know, if it's, tw is it 12 star signs, you divide the population by 12. That's about, um, what, about five, six million people. You're bound to be right, aren't you, for some of them? I mean, you can't go wrong, can you, with a prophecy system like that? But you see, you know, people go for it, don't they? But I want to share this morning and of two future, two future events which are 100% certain and absolutely sure. Firstly that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again to receive his people who are the Christians and secondly that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to judge the world now in worldly matters of prophecy we can only really guess can't we I remember years ago when they were every year they used to say King Charles was going to get married and he never did and then eventually he did but it's the law of averages he's going to eventually because he's got to but Christ is coming back and there will be a judgment day and I just want to share a couple of things about that judgment day one is the certainty of it because as it tells us there that uh, he has set a day he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. But God himself has appointed a day. They don't people today laugh at sin. Mock it. Or mock those that speak against sin. But what did they do in the days of Noah? Exactly the same thing. God gave them an opportunity to hear the word. To hear about how there could be salvation. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He built the ark. And people mocked him. People laughed him to scorn. But they certainly stopped their laughing when the rain came down. Because the mockery suddenly was turned to tears. And death by drowning. Jeremiah prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem. 
But the people preferred the words of the first false prophets. It's God's city. His temple is here. Nothing's going to happen. But Nebuchadnezzar's army came and destroyed the city. The Lord Jesus Christ prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. Do you know all of God's predictions or all of God's prophecies come true? Every one of them. But not so those who will be classed as false prophets. I'll give you one example. I'm sure you're very familiar. You've probably had to knock on the door from the so-called Jehovah's Witnesses. I could, I have to say, as an aside, one of the blessings of the lockdown is they weren't knocking on doors, but that's another issue. Now, they have prophesied the end of the world a number of times. Now, they will deny this, of course, but there is documented evidence. And I'd just like to read a couple of things just to show that, you know, that we have the right, we have the truth. They have a false religion. We read here, this is 1914. Be not surprised then when in subsequent chapters we present proofs that setting up of the kingdom of God has already begun. And out in prophecy is due to begin the exercise of power in AD 1878 and the battle of the great day of God Almighty which will end in AD 1914. When the complete overthrow of earth's present rulership is already commenced. So that failed sadly. So we move on, don't we, to... um, 1925 the year 1925 is here with great expectation Christians have looked forward to this year many have confidently expected that all members of the body of Christ will be changed to heavenly glory during the year this may be accomplished it may not be that's a good way of putting things isn't it in his own time God will accomplish his purposes Christians should not be so deeply concerned about what may transpire during this year that they would fail to joyfully do what the Lord would have them do. It is to be expected that Satan will try to inject into the minds of the consecrated the thought that 1925 should see an end of the work and that therefore it would be needless for them to do more. And then of course the, the, big, the big one of course was 1975. Just think, brothers, there's only 90 months left before 6,000 years of man's existence on earth is complete. The majority of people living today will probably be alive when Armageddon breaks out and there are no resurrection hopes for those who are destroyed there. And so it goes on. And, of course, that's just one false religion. And, of course, there are many others with their various prophecies and predictions. There are today, of course, those within the professing church that say there will be no judgment to come. Wonderful belief this is, universalism. Everyone will be saved. Very comforting, isn't it? If you can find it in the scriptures. But you can't, of course. I want to stress, you probably already know it, but it is certain. And the guarantee of the judgment, of course, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 31, Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, 
whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. The resurrection happened bodily and spiritually. The Lord Jesus Christ bodily rose from the grave or the tomb and he will be the judge tells us in John chapter 5 and verse 22 for the father judgeth no man but has committed all judgment unto the son that all men should honour the son even as they honour the father he that honoureth the son honoureth not the father which hath sent him therefore as I say the judgment is 100% total and certain and for those who may speak to say it won't happen then we need to encourage them to reconsider that it will come secondly we can say about this judgment it's the universality of this judgment he will not judge just a few or he will not judge just many he will judge the whole world he will judge the world in righteousness. And that judgment will include every man, every woman, and every child. Everyone who is not a Christian. Everyone who is not a Christian. That pains me because that includes some of my loved ones. That if the Lord Jesus Christ came back today, unless there was a miracle of grace suddenly in their lives, they would be facing the Lord in judgment. And if you have loved ones and friends and neighbours who are in that category, it should worry and concern us, shouldn't it? And indeed the general population. And that's why people go out and preach the gospel. That's why people go out and knock on doors. Because it's everyone. You know, all systems of justice make mistakes, don't they? Every so often, somebody will go be put before the court of appeal and it will, their, their sentence will be quashed. Maybe they had some uh, false evidence put in against them. Whatever it may be. And there have been some very high-profile cases of where people have been released from prison after serving for a sentence they didn't commit. We do make mistakes, and people get away with it as well, don't they? People get away with not guilty verdicts when they are guilty. Lots of criminals are not detected. And you would think, they think, possibly they got away with it. You go into any library and you'll find on the shelf of true crime a whole series of books on Jack the Ripper. And everyone has their theory on who that individual was. Some even say that it was a lady, but you know, no one knows for sure. The Lord does. And whoever he was, because I'm sure he's, he's dead now, that will be exposed on the day of judgment. You see, it is possible for people to escape human justice. But no one 
no one can escape the day of judgment. People today have the freedom to walk away from the gospel. You knock on the door and they shut the door in your face. Or I'm too busy, I don't want that. You preach in the open air and they just walk straight by. Maybe you get a throwaway comment, what a load of rubbish. They can do that. But one day, they will have to face the Lord in judgment. And they won't be able to walk on by. And they won't be able to shut the door and go back to whatever they were doing. How often do we wish, desire, our evangelistic events were packed with unbelievers? How often do we pray that the Lord will bring in unbelievers into our services on the Lord's Day at our prayer meetings and our private prayers to hear the gospel? But you know, our meetings are open, aren't they? People can walk in and people can walk out. But on Judgment Day, there will be such a meeting that every unbeliever will be there. And all will meet the Lord Jesus Christ as their judge. So there is the certainty of it, there is the universality of it, but also there is the basis of the judgment. This will be for sins, and there will be no second chance. It is appointed once for a man to die, and then the judgment. You see, the judgment is appointed. And whatever keeps a person from God will condemn them. Whatever it is. And it may be what we might consider reasonable reasons. Not massive sin. You know, not just muggers and rapists and murderers everyday nice ordinary people that live next door to people like you and me what keeps them away from the Lord will condemn them it may be pleasure there's an awful lot of things you can do on a Sunday now isn't there years ago it was a bit different but not today you can do almost anything on a Sunday today maybe pursuit of wealth Maybe selfish ambition. Whatever it is. What we need to stress to people today is there is a need for repentance of sin. It's not just a question of turn up, put your hand up at a meeting and go home. It is repentance and sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, a lot of sins these days are open, aren't they? People today sin quite over. They wouldn't say it was sin. They're just living their lives as they choose to live them. It's done open for all to see. But not only will those sins be judged, but also the sins done in secret, which people do not see, but the Lord does. The world may not know, 
but God does. In Romans 2.16 it says this, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. God judging the secrets of men. People also judge for the words. The things people say. The character assassinations and the so on. The gossip and the slander that goes on. But the most important thing that will be judged is what people have done with the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 3.18 we read this. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And of course we have this verse in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, don't we? Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And the opportunity for whoever is now, because we have no guarantee of tomorrow. Every one of us is a heartbeat from eternity. And of course, very briefly, another reason about the judgment of who the judge is. And of course, it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The same Jesus that man rejects will be his judge. The same Jesus who was crucified on the cross at Calvary and rose from the dead. And lastly, the issues on that judgment day will be eternal. It will be either glory or shame. It will either be heaven or it will be hell. See, the Bible talks of two judgments. One is for sin and the other is for works. Now the Christian, the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, escapes the first judgment for sin because Christ has already paid the penalty of his or her sin when he died on the cross at Calvary. And that is the, the essence, isn't it, of the gospel. That is the essence of the testimony of any Christian. Once I was blind, now I see. That when Jesus died on that cross at Calvary, he died for the sins of his people. And amongst that vast crowd is mine. And that's the testimony of every Christian. Jesus is my saviour and he is my Lord because he paid on the cross at Calvary the debt for my sin. He particularly paid for my sin. That's my testimony. And that, as brothers and sisters, is our testimony. It is something we should never ever be ashamed of. But the Lord Jesus Christ did all that for people like you and me. 
at Calvary. And because of that, and because we have repented of our sin, because we have looked in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, because we've acknowledged our inadequacy to do anything about it ourselves, God in his grace and mercy puts our sin on Jesus and his righteousness on us. Imputed righteousness given to us freely by grace. Of course, that brings responsibilities, of course, and that's another issue. But that's the wonder of it. Every sin a Christian has committed, past, present and future, has been dealt with by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it is so important that we maintain justification through faith alone. And we don't add works on it as some do. Because that is a travesty of the gospel. Justification through faith alone. You see, that's the wonder of this wonderful gospel. That once the penalty has been paid, and it has been paid by the Lord Jesus Christ, then there's no other. When the Son sets you free, you shall be free. Today, in Christ, you are free. Free of condemnation, free of worry, free of anxiety, free of what's going to happen when I die. That's all gone. The problem is we like to keep hold of it, don't we? Whereas we need to let the Holy Spirit rule our lives. So much that concerns us is not really worth being concerned about. It's all gone. It's all gone. I went to a funeral uh, when was it? Wednesday. And that was, the, that was the theme. From the moment this individual passed into, from, de- from this life into glory. What an encouragement was. Yes, there was grief, family, pain, loss of a, a dear friend, a colleague. But also there was the joy. May the Lord answered his prayer. He prayed that the Lord would take him quickly. He did that night. Into glory. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. Straight in. Of course, Christians will be judged. You'll be judged, will be judged for our works after we've been saved. So you don't have to worry about those awful things you did before you got saved. That's all been covered by the precious blood. Because he t- Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done whether it be good or bad. And, does, and the thing is we, we do need every I think to where does each one of us stand in this great matter? You see, it's very simple, isn't it? People try to make such complications of the gospel. It's quite simple. It's In our sin, we are hopeless and helpless. But then we experience God's love in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we, we, we see the death of Christ in such a wonderful way that when Christ was dying there, he died in my place. Substitution. And then there is the resurrection of Christ it was bodily. He rose, he walked out of that grave. And after a few days, some days, he ascended into glory. 
And there is the second coming of Christ. We cannot believe one without the other. And one of the sadnesses, I think, that one hears so little ministry on the second coming of Jesus. So little prayer for it. And yet we are urged to pray, Come, Lord Jesus. And what we do is at the Lord's Supper tonight, what do we say in the service? Till he come. And of course, after the second coming of Christ is the judgment. But praise God for us, those of us who are believers. It's only a judgment for our works. And really, we need to say to people, people that we meet, you need to seek the Lord while you can. There will come a day when the Lord comes again. And that's it. And no more chances. No more possibilities. Just judgment. Well, may the Lord help us as we would seek to be his witnesses. I've got a book there called Witnesses Jehovah. We need to be witnesses of Jehovah sharing the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and not a false religion. And may the Lord help us to do that. Let's pray together. Our dear gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we do indeed thank you for the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, as a gospel for sinners such as we. For those of us, Lord, who are your children, we praise and thank you for the wonderful salvation that you've given to us. We thank you for the assurance you've put in our hearts that we do not have to fear a judgment for sins. When we die, we go to be with the Lord forever. We pray, Lord, for any who are not sure. Please, Lord, would you grant them that wonderful gift of assurance. What a blessing it is to know that ye may know these things are true. And, Lord, as we meet people who are unsaved, help us, Lord, to put a word here and a word there that they too would consider that judgment to come and that many may yet we thank you Lord there are many coming to Christ in other parts of the world but hey we would long for many to come to Christ in our own nation in our own neighbourhoods and whatever little bit we can do to help in this we pray you would greatly use us and we ask this in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ himself Amen Our last hymn is number 359. The God of truth and love, we seek thy perfect way, ready to thy choice to approve, thy providence to obey. Enter into thy wise design and sweetly lose our will in thine. Number 359.
ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some having compassion, making a difference. And others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. And they unto him that is able to keep us from falling, and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory, with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen.